There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy. From the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back to The Woke Man series, ladies and gentlemen. I am here doing the greatest case study on man. A hundred interviews painting the conscious journey of man from unwoke to woke and what that looked like. So anyone who is willing or needing change can have some inspiration and support on that journey. And I'm here with my brother, my sacred son brother, Devin. How are you, man? Uh, doing so good, man. It's It's been a long day, a lot of stuff going on, and I'm really happy to be on this call right now. Thank you, bro. I appreciate having you. And I know you're over in Maui taking in that beautiful island. That's good. So first yeah. question. First, first, first question, brother. Bro, drop it. Where did you grow up and where do you live now? And spent up until my 18th year. And then after I graduated high school, I went to college at Humboldt State University, went on a journey there, moved back to Maui in 2015. Uh, well, actually, no, New Zealand for a year, 2015 to 2016, came back in 2016 and moved off of Maui fall 2018. And then just moved back to Maui because of COVID at the beginning, like March of this year. Mm, okay, cool. How, how old are you right now? I am now 31. Ooh, okay, cool. Awesome. And what do you do for a living right now, brother? What do I do for a living? I, I do a lot of things. Mostly I am myself. And what I love to do is I love to cook food. I love to give to people. I love to train my body and live on the earth and be active on the earth. So the way that that translates into professional matters is I'm a men's embodiment coach. So I work one-on-one -on -one with men and have group programs with men. I work with both men and women as well with transformational life coaching. And I'm also a private chef and a regenerative agricultural and permaculture consultant. So kind of a wide range of things, but they're all my, my heart's passions and desire. Man, that's beautiful. So are you, what's, just a quick question. What's, your what's one of your favorite things to cook? What's one of my favorite things to cook? 
Man, I'm, I'm born and raised here in Maui, so I love eating Hawaiian food. The, the canoe plants that the Hawaiians brought over. Kalo, which is also known as taro. Uwala, mm. which is sweet potato. Ulu, which is known as breadfruit. And then fish. Like, having a combination of those, I love, I love eating, like, kalo or taro with fish, like poke. Mm. Um, but, but really what I love is I love to make sauces. I love to make <laughs> sauces because, to me, you can cook anything, and if you have a really good sauce, it's going to bring it all together. So <laughs> I, love, I love making sauce, and my friends gave, gave me this name, the saucerer, because I make really good sauces, and people love them, and so they, they gave me the name, the saucerer. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, there's so many meanings behind that, too, the saucerer, you know, like the, uh, the magic right. man. So good. <laughs> That's awesome. What's yeah. one thing you're really good at apart from making sauce? And for food, like cooking food? No, no, just in, in general. Like, if, is, it, is it cooking food? Is that one thing you're really good at? Or what's is something else that you're, like, you're really good at? Man, well, I, I feel like I'm really good at being just someone who's happy for life and doing my best to receive this gift of life and the miracle that life is because – Whenever I don't take life for granted, it's absolutely amazing and beautiful. And then whenever I do take life for granted, life shows me that I need to take it for granted. Mm. Um, I also feel like I'm really good at just being occupying my body. I feel really good at occupy. I feel confident and skilled in my body, whether it's mobility related or being able to swim or climb trees just being able to be in my body and move and access stuff across this earth mm, that's beautiful brother really cool and what's your biggest fear right now that's a good question i'd say my man it's funny because i've shifted my relationship with fear i welcome fear in rather than like trying to, to let it guide me or push it away mm. um so i'd say my biggest fear right now is me getting in my own way. Me not recognizing that I'm the one who's in my way of doing whatever it is that I want to do in life, whatever I want to accomplish, whatever I want to bring forward. So I think my fear would be laziness, being lazy. Mm, Interesting. And and have you recognized that that's more coming from like when you're up in your head type thing or you're living from a condition in the past? It doesn't really feel like a condition from the past because in the past I had other fears and now I have this recognition, this connection inside of myself that it's me and spirit, me and God, whatever you want to call that relationship. So at the end of the day, when I'm by myself, that's when it most matters. So what am I doing when I'm by myself? Am I focused? Am I clear? And it doesn't necessarily have to do with production because it's not productivity. It's more just me listening to all the things that, that spirit brings through for me that says this is where i'm meant to show up this is how i'm meant to lead and i think just me the, the fear would be me not acting me not listening yeah. wow. deep enough to, to hear what the guidance is coming through Ooh, love that man i love that that's a very good um place to be well very powerful place to be is like i'm not staying connected to the source i'm not staying connected to my guidance, my higher self. Yeah, that's really, that's beautiful. What, what's your favorite quote, man? What's one of your favorite quotes, at least? One of my favorite quotes, this artist, her name is Janine. 
Okay. Janine Cunningham, but her, her, her reggae, she, she plays a lot of reggae soul music and her, her stage name is John nine, J A H number nine, John nine. And the, one of the long song, one of the lines in her song is says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, whatever you are dwelling upon is the reality that you are creating. Use your concentration wisely because your only limitation is your imagination. Your only limitation is your imagination. So in that sense to you, how, how do you relate to that? How do I relate to that quote? What I'm, because you were talking about being up in the head, right? Yeah. For me, what I, am, what I am portraying and projecting from my heart is, is literally what I create and what yeah. I'm a part of. Because I, I am in a dynamic relationship with life where I am part projecting and creating and also meeting flow of life. Yeah. And so the way that I see that is what I use my focus, whether it's my mental focus, my heart focus, my spiritual focus, my emotional focus, whatever I focus on is the reality that I am actively partaking in and what I'm creating. So the only thing, again, like I said, that fear, the only thing that stands in the way is my imagination. Yeah. Am I capable of imagining, visualizing mm. and feeling what I want to create in life. And if it's possible, then I can do that. And if I give that energy to it, it'll come through. Wow. So, so it just, it just comes back to sovereignty, inner sovereignty. Totally. Yeah. I was going to say like, you are, you, you are as limited as you want it to, as you want yourself to be. It's not limitless is what is, is you want yourself to be, but it's just radical responsibility, right? Like you are in control. That's beautiful. Man. Yeah, brother. What's a conscious man to you? A conscious man to me is a man who recognizes his responsibility to the collective. A conscious man recognizes his impact. A conscious man recognizes that his energetic presence penetrates everything that he does. Mm. So how in life, how does he show up in every situation to truly bring his presence and to be the most impactful man possible? A conscious man. The land, the earth, women, children, our community. And a conscious man is a man who's willing to admit that he's made mistakes, who's willing to admit that he has emotions, who's willing to allow himself to cry and still stay connected to his body, still stay connected to the warrior, that protector, and that willingness to show up and do whatever needs to be done for the sake of everyone. It's a beautiful, a beautiful description, man. I love that. What's one thing that challenges you right now, Devin? One thing that challenges me right now is the current, the current status of the, the climate in the U.S. with police brutality and institutionalized racism and the manipulation of humans and humans' emotions and just blatant lying and propaganda in front of humans and profit off of humans. and. My challenge in all of that is to not be so emotionally swayed and so emotionally driven, but rather that I'm staying connected to my heart, listening to the earth, listening to all of those around me and showing up where, where I can show up truly and truly be a, a supporter and, and a friend and a community member. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely a, a very interesting time in this world, man. I remember starting January 1, I'm like, yeah, 2020 is going to be the best year ever. Oh, holy shit, 2020 is like throwing us through the ringer. 
yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely been some beautiful lessons in there for us all to come back to our truth and our heart and, and um, start shifting through that. I mean, awakening, right? Like we're seeing things differently now and people are standing up for it in a new way, which is great. You got it, bro. <laughs> what, what does unconditional love mean to you, man? Unconditional. Man, to me, unconditional love is, some, is this phrase that's been co-opted. I, I want to read something to you because to me, this, this is the, the definition of like what I've, what I've seen come through. And it's to me, unconditional love is just remembering that we belong. Unconditional yes. love is remembering that we've been here. And, and I'm going to read this right now. You didn't come here to master unconditional love. This is where you came from and where you'll return to. You came here to learn personal love, universal love, messy love, sweaty love, crazy love, broken love, whole love. Mm. Live through the grace of stumbling, demonstrated through the beauty of messing up often. You came here to be gorgeously human, flawed and fabulous and rising again into remembering. But unconditional love, stop telling that story. Love in truth doesn't need any adjectives. It doesn't require modifiers. It doesn't require the condition of perfection. It only asks you to show up and do your best, that you stay present and feel fully, that you shine and fly and laugh and cry and hurt and heal and fall and get back up and play and work and live and die as you. It's enough. It's plenty. Uh, what is that a part of? <laughs> that is from this woman. Uh, I believe her name is Carolyn Wright. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll send it to you on Instagram, bro. It's, okay. it's powerful. Like that to me. Courtney, Courtney A. Walsh was the woman who wrote it. Man, that is like, I mean, that's been the most interesting description of that question so far because you're so right it's like it we we're trying like it's everything we're coming like i mean i don't know you know just saying that it's not it's not to we don't come down here to master unconditional love we get to master just love for self i mean yeah call it unconditional what but just acceptance of self it's that's beautiful man now this next question i know the answer to it already but do you believe in a greater power and what is that how, how do I attempt to put words in a language that doesn't recognize or acknowledge a higher power and attempt to use words to describe that? Um, to me, there's very much a higher power. The fact that we're sitting here and anyone else who's watching this, that we're sitting here and we're alive mm -hmm. and that we're not telling our hearts to beat and we're not telling our brain to process all of the sound and the signals and the visuals coming in through here and the blood to be pumping in my body that that we're not telling the sun we're not the ones saying hey you rise at this time and you rise at that time mm. like the the higher power to me is is in one word great spirit the in another word the the aboriginal people of australia said divine oneness mm. there's there's so many different words to describe creator god goddess mother God, Father God, whatever we want to call it, 
because to me, there's, there's obviously something to play and I, and I can't, I can't attempt to describe it, but when I connect to indigenous cultures, when I, when I'm around indigenous people and indigenous cultures, which everyone is, everyone of this earth, it just requires us to get back connection to our own indigenous roots and whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. When I'm with indigenous people, their language, it just activates something in my body. Mm-hmm. I, I call it truth bumps or spirit yeah. bumps. Yeah, cool. And some people, other people call that like phrase goosebumps. I call it truth bumps because that's my body like aligning with whatever's being spoken or being expressed. And that is, that's, that's it. And there's so many, there, um, there's this phrase that I posted on my Instagram that said, synchronicities are the algorithm of the universe. I saw that. And so for me, when, when I have deja vu, when I have things where I'm like, I've been here before, or I'm talking about, let's say I'm talking about fat, water fasting, and over and over and over, I come across water fasting, and then I meet someone who's water fasting. Like, they're just signs from the universe to like remind me that it's just, it's me in spirit. And I think that that is, I think that's the biggest confirmation for me is again, at at that fear I was talking about, right. Of of being myself, just not, not allowing myself to be fully myself and do things that others may say or, or get trapped into. And so at the end of the day, it's always me doesn't matter what is happening or who's around like i'm having my own experience and so that's up to me mm. to be having this conversation with god with creator with spirit and saying all right what's in this are you asking me to go deeper are you asking me to step away like what how can i deep questions so i can get the answers that i really want oh man that's beautiful such a good response and and I guess like I think a lot of people, yeah, divine oneness they call that also um the vital force, you know, life force. It's just such an interesting perspective to put that in is you go, well, who's telling my heart to be? Like there's an inte- there's clearly an intelligence there. Who's telling it who's telling my blood to pump? Like why why does it need to go to a specific parts and, and organs? Like who's telling my organs to like orchestrate specific hormones and deliver deliver nutrients to different parts of the body and when you say it like that you just you just you totally remember that there's something there's something here man like come on so yeah i love that brother appreciate that so we're going to get into your journey now and talk about what you know your your journey look like from from unwoke to woke and it's just a reminder to anyone listening to this now is that it's it's not a destination it's not a destination because it's it's just so much of a journey like we haven't made it we're not on a pedestal we're not going hey come down you unwoke people come up here to us um we're a part of this journey and we're still learning and it's just to say we when i say woke it's that we have an awareness now awareness that we never used to have and so first question for you devin what did your life look like as unwoke and what's it look like now the bit, the biggest distinction is is what I've been speaking about is is literally the awareness that I am alive. Yeah. I I felt like I acted with a pretty level head. I felt like I acted with a pretty decent heart. But I wasn't caring for myself. 
I, I was living an unwoke life in a way where I still hadn't met those parts of myself that I'd welcomed back in. I hadn't met those parts of myself that were hurting, that I, I pushed away, that I banished, that I, saw, mm. I said wasn't good enough. And yeah, I think, I think that's what my, my life looked like. I was drinking a lot of alcohol. I was smoking a lot of cannabis. I was doing, I was still, in, I was in college. I was doing pretty decent, like in school, like grade wise, I was doing good as far as like the, the paper, right. I was doing all the things I was doing my engineering degree. I was getting a 3.8 or a 4.0 GPA. I was playing rugby. I was doing these things and doing that, but I, I wasn't listening. Mm. I wasn't having this active conversation with life. I wasn't in awe that I'm alive. And that's, I think that's, that's what my unwoke life looked like before. Interesting. And so now is it, you've started listening more. Would that be the best way to summarize it? Is that, yeah, so that started for me? Yeah, that all, that all started back when I was 20. I would, I would say I became woke. I, I found that I, I remembered the awareness that I'm alive, that I'm woke when I was 20, February 20th, 2009. I remember the, the night. I remember, the, I remember everything to the T. I, I overdosed, and thankfully I didn't die. Mm. And long story short, I came back from, an, from the journey, left my body, had this whole crazy spiritual out of this body, extraterrestrial, interdimensional like journey coming back to my body. And I took a breath for the first time and it felt like it was the first breath I'd taken in my whole life. It felt like my lungs were being like ripped open and I just started to cry. I just started to cry with the awareness of how have I been living this fucking long without acknowledging that I am alive. And I went around and I was at a party and I went to everyone at the party and I was just like, do you know that you're alive? Like I was asking people, I'm like, do you actually know that you're alive? Do you know how fucking precious this life is? Mm. And from that moment that, that changed everything. I, I went after that night, I went plant-based. I stopped wow. eating animals because I was seeing the industrial farming system. Holy shit. I started only supporting organic agriculture and local farmers and like, I just, everything changed at 20. I went celibate when I was 20 years old. I went celibate for a year and a half because I wasn't happy with the unwoke self. I wasn't happy with the patterns of relational dynamics that I had had in the past. And so that's why I went celibate and yeah, like it, it literally, it, it transformed my whole life. Whoa, dude, that's so interesting. I just got goosebumps everywhere. Man, that's how interesting. So, what was the drug that you, yeah, truth bumps. What was the what was the um the the drug that you OD'd on? Nearly OD'd on MDMA. Oh wow, you must have had a lot. I had two point one grams. Shit, man. I've had a normally sip. normally you take point one gram. Yeah, whoa. What was it like? Were you shut? So down? I had twenty one times the normal. Fucking hell. Did your body just shut down? Like no speaking, no talking, no nothing? I mean, so it's a really crazy story. My friend poured a pile of MDMA in my hand and I just put it all in my mouth. And he was giving it to me to have for months rather than take it all at once. Oh. 
And so we then drove to this party and we had, so here's an interesting part of the story, right? We drive to a party that I've never been to. We've never been to this house. No one has ever been where we're going. And I get in the trunk of the car because I'm rolling and I'm so high already. And I go in a trunk and we drive to the party. And I don't know if you or anyone who's watching has, has ever tried ecstasy or MDMA and you get the eye shakes where you'll like yeah. see people's eyes like jitter or, oh or yeah. jolt back and forth. It was, it was nonstop. Like it literally, it did not stop. And it was the most intense that I've ever felt. I, I, the whole world felt like it was spinning. And I just told my friend, I was like, I need your help. Like, I, I don't know what is going to happen. This is insane. And so he walked me through the party. I had my arm around him. We just walked right outside. And this was in Northern California. So there were a bunch of redwood trees, powerful, ancient Big, beings, yeah. sentient beings that are very conscious and aware just holding this like safe container. So like, I, I was so grateful to be surrounded by that. And I just went and leaned up against the wall outside and I just disappeared. My friend said I was gone for half an hour. Didn't move, didn't talk, didn't breathe, like nothing. I just was blank. And I don't have any recollection. I just remember leaving. And then all of a sudden being off somewhere in some dark space that I had no idea. And then all of a sudden I realized, I was like, wait, I think I'm a, I'm like an aspect of this. I was in a fight and wait, whoa, am I, what, am I Devin? Like I started coming to like grasp all these like identifiers of who I thought I was or like what I used to identify myself. And then eventually I made my way, I was like, wait, I was, I was in a body. Wait, I was at a party. Like, like all these things started happening. And then I came back and I saw my body. I could, I was watching it. I was watching the whole party, but I wasn't in my body. And then eventually I came back into my body. And then when I was in my body, it took me time to to even be able to like feel my own body. But I know for like, it's what seemed like forever. I wasn't able to breathe and I tried to breathe and I couldn't breathe. And finally, after trying and trying and trying, I finally like took a breath. And that's when I broke down and just was in this utter awe of life. <laughs> Fuck, dude, that is insane, man. It's like a full out of body experience. Hold on, wow, man. So, was that your biggest vice in that period? Was it? Was it? You know, drugs, or was there something else that was your biggest vice? No, my vice at that time was was not doing shadow work. My vice was just not embracing Avoidance. my darkness. And yeah, I was just avoiding the darkness inside. I, I was I was sad. I was hurt. I had stories that I wasn't worthy. I had stories that, like, I wasn't good enough being a white guy because I grew up on Maui and like growing up here, getting called Howley my whole life, and like questioning why I was who I was and didn't want to be associated with being white. Didn't wanted like I just wanted to be dark. I wanted to be bigger and heavier and all these things. So like I had all these stories that were going on inside of myself that caused me to want to numb them out with drinking and smoking. And, and, and honestly, I, I give myself credit because I feel like for the most part, I had a pretty good heart and head on myself, but I was doing a lot of what society was telling me. And so I was, I was definitely following the pack because I had, I'd left the Island of Maui. I went to college and my girlfriend that I gave a promise ring to was back on Maui. And so like, I, I put so much weight in my friend group and what started happening is they were doing a lot of drugs. And so 
I wouldn't do drugs with them all the time, but I was around it. So I eventually started to do it and partake and explore. But thankfully, I'm someone who's really sensitive as it is already. And for whatever reason, my soul, my spirit decided to take heavy doses at a young age and like blast myself open to be this channel to receive the information to not need to really do too much, like not need to explore much more because most of my exploring now is life rather than like drugs or plant medicines. Fucking hell, man. That's beautiful. Beautiful journey. What, what emotion challenge, what emotion challenge you most? I've got five emotions that tend to challenge men most and that's anxiety, shame, guilt, fear, and anger. Which one of those challenged you most? At that time or, or right now? Um, at that time. Oh, so just real quick, anxiety, guilt, shame, fear, and anger. Those are the five that you're referencing. Correct. I would say, I I think anger is probably the biggest one that I didn't know how to relate with at that age. Mm. And it it was the emotion that would come out the most sideways. It was the emotion that would, that, that would get jealous of, of my friend who was connecting with the girl that I was attracted to. And we were roommates. We shared a room in a house and I got mad at him and I shoved him through my, our front window, our living room window, because I didn't know how to say, bro, like, I love you. And you're connecting with this girl that I really like, like, can we like at least figure out what's going on here rather than me just getting in his face and being like, fuck you, dude. And like, I'm going to shove you cause I'm drunk and angry. And I shove you through my like living room window. Fuck. Like I definitely would say that anger. Uh, I, yeah, I would definitely say anger was, was the least integrated of, of the emotions at that time in myself. Okay. Okay. I'm glad you used that word integrated or least integrated. And did you ever contribute that to something that happened in your yeah. past? I, I think a lot of it mostly came from movies. I think most of, most of the stuff that I like played out were, were things that were shown to me that I didn't like when I did that, I felt like absolute shit. I felt so guilty. I felt so shameful after enacting the anger and not knowing how to direct it or how to, how to console or meet it. And uh, specific instances, I, I saw my father use anger. I saw my father have very extreme explosions of anger. And so rather than seeing someone who would, would express their anger in a way to let me know what was going on, it was someone who expressed their anger because they got pushed past their boundaries mm. and they weren't using communication. And so I think that was ultimately for me, like that was it was I, I witnessed my dad just be like, not angry, like be very happy, go lucky. And then it would just explode in an instant at certain times. And so I think that's where I got a lot of that from. Wow. Interesting. So how did you start to integrate it and or let it go? Yeah. The biggest thing for me is, is embracing anger. The biggest thing for me has been to embrace that anger is an inspirational energy. It is telling me that I am not okay with what's going on. And that helps me to breathe into it. It helps me to embrace it. And I think one, one of the biggest ways I started to integrate it was I started practicing yoga and I started going to Pilates class. And 
both of those were helping me to become more mindful of my body. And I also started to meditate. And so the combination of breath work of and training my body helped me to really start to feel and come back home to my body and not just be up in my head. It really helped me to come back and feel. And so I where I was playing soccer in a soccer game, intramurals, and this guy, what he and I, like, I, I'm a, uh, so you were asking earlier, like, I'm pretty confident in my athletic ability. And so I'm normally always the forward, the forward or the striker in soccer and football. And this guy kept on like trying to pull me, trying to hold on to me. And I just was laughing because I'm like, you're hilarious, dude. Like, I'm not <laughs> saying anything to him, but he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you, dude. Whoa. And, and I just, I remember feeling the anger start in my feet and just move up my legs and move up my body and feel all this heat start to get to my inner groin and my thigh. And I just like took a deep breath and let it all go. And it like, I felt it release. Whoa. And I remember in that instant, that was the first time where I had a, a visceral embodiment of experiencing anger. And I just stopped in my tracks and I just looked at the dude while we were playing, while in the middle of intramural game, and I was just like, that, those are your words? That's what you want to tell me? Like, we're competing here. Like, let's compete. Let's push each other to the edge. But you want to tell me that you're going to fucking kill me? Like, don't make that threat, man. Like, mm. don't do that. There's no need sense. to make that unnecessary threat. Well, uh, he, he, he didn't say anything. He, he, just, he, he couldn't say anything. Uh. Fuck, that's interesting, man. Like, that's he, interesting. He, I just called him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so do you feel like it is a matter of just us learning that to deal with these emotions is a matter of just allowing us to accept it and integrate it instead of judging it? I think so. And because I think that so much of society hides from anger. I, I believe that we shut anger down because that's, again, it's inspiration. So. Mm. Like my challenge, right? Like I was talking about my challenge right now is the propaganda, the institutionalized racism, the police brutality, the just the lies and the, the false narratives and all the bullshit that's going on. If people are disconnected from anger, they're more easily controlled. If people are angry, you're, you're going to have to meet that anger. And most people are not taught how to meet anger, how to deal with anger let alone deal with how many millions and millions and millions of angry people. And so men, men and women at a young age are told, don't get angry, stop it, calm down, whoa, 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 whoa. But really, anger just wants to move. It's emotion, it's energy in motion. All it wants to do is move. It doesn't want to do anything except move. It's not even mine. So the less that I hold on to it, the less that I grasp, and the, le and the more that I feel and let it move, it doesn't stay inside me. It doesn't get stuck and stagnant and like evil and illness in my body. Yeah. So how can we how can we move it and move it outside of us without put it projecting it onto someone else? That's where the inner work comes in. That's where the self mastery comes in. That's where the self sovereignty. I prefer sovereignty. The self sovereignty comes in because we get to be the ones who decide what we're doing we get to be the ones who decide how we show up. so if i'm not happy with something and i continuously repeat it that's on me so the more that i do my work the more that i look at myself 
And the more that I remember that the reason why I do the work is to not do the work, but to show up for the collective. I do the work so I can be the best man and human I can be mm. into that greater responsibility. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, brother. Beautiful. And talk about whose love, the love you craved most growing up, and who did you have to be to get that love? I mean, honestly, I, I craved my mom's love. I'm in my mom's home right now. She's not here. She's in Mexico because Sacred Sons, we came out here and we rented my mom's property to put a retreat on. Mm. And my mom's not here. My mom and my dad separated when I was three years old. And my mom was not on Maui. She moved to Houston, Texas to expand her nursing career because she was so devastated that my dad didn't want to be with her that they had a child together and my dad wasn't willing to work it out and that my dad just fell for the next woman who, who, who like threw herself on him. Mm. And so what, what happened was moving forward, what I did to get that love, I didn't really have to do much to get it from my mom because she loved, like she, she's loved me all along. She's always shown that love to me. I've always felt it from her. Her and I have a really deep connection. It's very, I'm very aware of it. But what happened was it came up in my relationships with women, my intimate relation, my, my romantic relationships with women, because I, I started trying to do everything possible to make that person like me rather than me be myself and then have that person accept me and like me for who I am. And so I would, I would sacrifice myself. I would, I would not uphold my boundaries. I would bend and cater to every single need and just try and do everything be the yes man be the mr fix it be all these things that that seem great but at the end of the day i'm sacrificing myself that pattern happens so many times and when i realize that i'm sacrificing myself i then step away because i'm like i you have not seen me like the, the the relationship needs to die if we want to try and continue forward because i need a whole new foundation and and that, yeah, that's, that's the way it's been is I have, I've given away my own sovereignty to, to basically try and make someone stick around. Mm. And do you, and do you think that's because your mum went away and so you're just trying to get her to stick around? Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. I, I got a similar, similar story to that with, with you know, the love of my mum and, how it plays out in relationships, but it, it is, it, it comes from somewhere, somewhere and you'll always try to be someone to get what you think you've needed for so long. So yeah, it's a very interesting question. That one It's always interesting to hear everyone's responses. Thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah, brother. Well, talk to me about the lowest point in your life. Um, if we go, you know, maybe it was that period before you had that MDMA overdose, or maybe it was that period, but what was the lowest point in your life? And did suicide ever cross your mind through that? That I can say were very low for me. One was my grandmother and my grandfather died within four months of each other. I was a sophomore in high school and that was devastating. They were like my second parents. My grandfather was more my dad than my own father. He was, he was a father for both of us. He was, he was my role model. He yeah, every time I talk about him, I get so emotional because he's just, he's so impactful for who I am today and who I've become. So they, they died within four months of each other. 
I watched them both wither away. And then two days, no, the next day after my grandfather died, my girlfriend at the time broke up with me. And that just, that crushed everything to lose my grandmother. Then four months later, lose my grandfather. And then my girlfriend broke up with me. It just, it, it, uh. it crushed me so much. And what happened was I, I, I'd not been, I didn't smoke cannabis in high school. I didn't smoke until I got to university. And that was the one moment in high school where I wanted to smoke cannabis. And I told my friend who was also really good friends with me and my girlfriend who had just broken up with me. I told him I'm ready to smoke. I'm ready to get high. And he told me, no, he told me, no, I'm not going to get you high the first time when you're like this. Mm. And I'm so grateful because he saved me. Had, had, had he not like upheld that boundary, I would have become addicted. And so that was the first time where I was super low. There were definitely moments where I just wanted to give up. I didn't want, I just felt so confused. And my dad was going off and getting really drunk and just drinking like a 12 pack a night because he was so devastated. He didn't have a group of conscious men. He didn't have a, a, a brotherhood to turn to, to process his emotions, to be held, to be witnessed. And so I, I just was like, fuck, where's my dad? Like the only person that's like my pillar is gone. Like he's drunk. And, and now what? So that was the first one. And then the second one was I came back from my first year of college and I, I had been dating a girl for the, for my last two years, junior and senior year of high school. And then the, for the year that I went away to college, she was a senior in high school and I stayed true to her. I gave her a promise ring. I really was into her, like really very much. I, at least I thought I was into her. And, and I came back and she, she basically broke the agreement that we were exclusive with, she, with each other. And she was connecting with another friend of mine pretty much for like the, the whole last half of her year. And that just wow. devastated me. I was just utterly broken. I was just like, wait, what? I just spent my whole year staying true to you and you couldn't give me the decency to say, I want to connect with this man. Like, sure. I would have been bummed, but I would have been like, you're, you got to do that. And I would have, I would have been so like after shifting that like hindsight, I would have been so excited. Cause I'm like, wait, what? I'm a freshman in college. Like I get to go be sexually yeah. promiscuous. <laughs> totally. That would have been a potential opportunity where I was at mentally, but I was, I was so devoted to her. And, and I was just, I was so devastated that I was so devoted and that she didn't. And I definitely remember there was this one moment where I was sitting in my truck and I had it in park and I just was revving the engine. I was just having my ga the gas pedal down, the, the RPMs were at like six or seven. And I just was getting ready to put it in a drive and just drive right into a telephone pole. Cause I was like, what the, what the fuck is life? Like, if I make this commitment to this person and I give them a promise ring and I do this and I do that, well, what? Like they, they, they didn't offer that. What's the point of life? If I can't trust people. And I definitely was suicidal. I definitely was, mm. was not wanting to be around because they, there was just so much hurt and I didn't know how to move through it. I didn't know how to feel it. I didn't know how to breathe into it. I didn't know how to, to cry, to scream, to yell, to let it move. Like I just, it was so much inside that I wanted to just leave. I wanted to disconnect and not be alive. So I didn't have to feel. Mm -hmm. Wow, man. It definitely, thank you for sharing that. It definitely feels like 
for you, for you is like a lot of stuff was like constantly feeling like let down from people, like let down, let down, let down, and it's yeah. ultimately led you to find your own sovereignty and your own power without being and 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 being less affected by everyone else. Hey? Bro, that's that's been my mantra during this whole time because I've been here with pretty much from March until up till two weeks ago, we were with eleven people during the whole Corona quarantine. Mm. So my journey was maintaining my sovereignty while remaining in connection to the community. Mm-hmm. So how do I stay sovereign and how do I stay connected to myself? Even if someone lets me down, even if someone doesn't do something the way that I want it to be done or the way that I like it. And we're staying in my mom's house and I'm like wondering if people are truly what respecting the place and, and mm-hmm. how do I let them still be? How do I let them have their spaciousness of existing and also maintaining myself and speaking my needs and, and not passively aggressively talking to people. And, yeah, and, and it's right. been my journey pretty much my whole life is to, is to maintain my sovereign connection and be that clear channel to support people. Cause I've been, I've been a supporter. I've been a listener my whole life. And, and ultimately that's why you're so you're doing what you're doing, right? To help others. That's one of your gifts. Beautiful, man. So, so what was that significant moment of awakening for you, bro? The, the, the point where you like shifted from, you know, you talk about like MDMA where you, or that moment where you were like, Are you, you're alive. Do you realize you're alive? Like, was that it? Or was there something else that just like, was like, boom, there's something here that changed your path? I mean, that, that started it for sure. Yeah. I, I remember then I remember having an LSD trip, like maybe six months after that, I think, yeah, six months after that, where I full on had a third and I talked with God, with creator, with spirit. And that was like, that wasn't a suicidal thought, but it was spirit was like, you're not ready to let go. And I was like, what do you mean? And there was like, you, you like, you have this awareness, you're seeing the other side, you're seeing that you don't have to like choose to be alive. You like, it's a choice to be alive. Mm. And spirit was like, you're not, you're not done being alive. And I was like, well, show me. And this, this woman that I was attracted to, I thought of her. And then right away, she walked through the front door of my house. And I was just like, wait, what? Like, I, I, I was then hanging out by myself. And I thought of my friend and he ran up the stairs and he's like, you called me? And I was like, I didn't call you, bro. What the fuck are you doing? And he's like, you, I, you did. And I was like, and he knew that I didn't call him. But I had this whole journey of like, whoa, what is going on? So that like, that continuously opened me. I, I remember there was this one moment where I was in college. I was my junior year of college. And I'm walking, just looking at all of these redwoods, this huge canopy, like a cathedral in nature, nature's own cathedral, sunlight mm-hmm through and I just started to cry out of gratitude again for being alive and so I just kept on having these experiences um I remember yeah honestly like that that and I just kept on diving in man I just kept on diving deep and I've I've had I've had lots of realizations and like concrete points along the way from that moment forward like I've I've I feel like I've maintained consciousness like I haven't I haven't I haven't done anything that's like disconnecting. All of my choices have been to go deeper. I've been to dive in. And I would, I would say a big pivotal moment was in 2016 
when I went on my vision quest. And when I went on that vision quest, that that's what gave me the conviction and the, the mission of men's work of masculine alchemy of helping to bring back rites of passage and initiation and ceremony. And what happened was I, I went out with a group of 14 men. We sat in council after we hiked into the wilderness, we sat in council for four days going on medicine walks, going in spirit walks, all these different things. And the only medicine we had was spirit and nature. There were no like plant medicines inducing us. Um, and then for four days, I went out by myself and I, I, I slept by myself. I only had water for four days. And the whole point was to go into the spirit realm and to connect with a message that I'm meant to bring back. And the message that I, that, that was delivered to me was the earth said, go serve your humans. You have your connection with me. You have your connection with life, with nature. We are here for you. If humans want to live and be a part of life moving forward and you want to have a legacy to live, give behind, I need you to help humans remember their connection to the earth. And so that was the message that came back. And that really, that changed a lot of things for me. That shifted a lot for me. It's so, it's so funny because like you were born and raised on an island where Nate, nature is everything you know it's like it was a sign there from your birth that you were always destined to be there and do that all right yeah that's beautiful bro fuck four days in solitude on on water fasting would have been deep it's deep bro taking it even further when i was born i i wasn't crying my dad said i came out eyes wide open smiling just looking at everything just taking it all in and so the more that I've connected to that and the more that I've like really called myself in, called my essence in allowing myself to be who I am. That's where I say, like, I feel like I've had my head and my shoulders on for a long time. I just, I've learned how to stay in my own sovereignty. I've learned how to be in my own energy rather than being swayed and, and um, manipulated, not whether it's intentional or unintentional, but like allowing that, energy to move me so much and so it's just honestly it's been a journey of remembering for me it's been a journey of shedding the layers of western lack of nature connection and lack of animism to just coming back to life coming back to my body and allowing myself to to exist and to be beautiful brother that's that's amazing man so what what healing was a good big part of you what type of healing or modality was a big part of your journey yoga has been huge for me it really has been. Um, yoga led me to meditation and breath work. Mm. And meditation and breath work led me to sexual vitality and uh, tantra and Taoist yeah. sexual cultivation practices and just indigenous sexuality. And I think that's been one of the biggest healers for me is, is reclaiming my own sexuality and recognizing the sacredness of it and recognizing the beauty of it and recognizing that we all come from sex. And, and, and how do I, yet it's shame day. Yeah. Yet it's shame. So like, how do I embody my sexuality without that shame? How do I truly express my creativity in this life and not hold it back? And I think that that's ultimately the challenge is life is giving us like that quote that I read. It's it's, I'm here to be human. 
So part of my humanness is my sexuality. Part of my humanness is my wild nature, my ferocious lion that wants to devour something. And part of my nature is also the high conscious unity, unity consciousness, Christ consciousness, like bringing all those energies through and grounding them and rooting them here on earth and not making sure that I get so airy fairy and hippy dippy and out there (laughs) that I don't know how to walk, that I don't know how to actually like interact and have a conversation with someone. And I'm not so spun out and like my Kundalini's like, Oh, (laughs) but like, I'm here to be a cosmic, I'm I'm grounded in the cosmos. I'm here to to bring all that through. And so, um, and honestly, the, the, so, so sexuality. And then the next work is, is brotherhood. Like being in a space where I can connect with men, where I can have authentic, vulnerable, real conversations where I can talk about whatever I want to talk about and don't have to worry about judgment where I know that if I need to wrestle, if I need to let energy out, my brother's going to meet me. If I need to cry, my brother's going to hold me. If I need Mm -hmm. to scream, my brother's going to scream with me. And, and brotherhood has been brotherhood has been the medicine for me and connection has been the cure. Mm. Mm, That's fucking amazing, man. I think, I think that for a lot of people listening right now is it's it's beautiful to see that there's you know you've come from a place where you weren't always talking like this you weren't always you never had this awareness once you never had these experiences well you were never like this because you didn't have these experiences and so your experiences have shaped you into doing what you're doing now and so I mean that's the beautiful part of this this series is that people can see that we weren't born like this Yes, we had the the awareness maybe on a, on a higher you know that higher plane, but we we lost connection to it, and now it's just finding a connection back. And so, anyone listening to this, you go, what the fuck are we talking about? It'll come to you when you need it. And the the, the key is that just keep that awareness open, keep that mind expanding, think that there is another. Just don't always close yourself off to to possibilities of change, because this this shit is it, man. Like. You can, like you say, like I really love that, bro. Is that you go? I'm not up in the hippy dippy, up in the thing, and my Kundalini's fucking rising. Like I love that because I've been spent six months in a bud just recently, and I, I saw that. I saw every fucking bit of that, man. And I was that, and and I was that, and that's why ultimately I was in that environment just to witness myself. And um, I go, fuck. Okay, yeah, this isn't this isn't where the work is needed. I'm like. I'm running away from the world that needs me most. And, yeah, you know, they say, what, uh, Matt Kahn, Matt Kahn has a really good quote. I just said it on the last series. It was like, um, spirituality is cultivated in private, but mastered in public. And yeah. grounding, grounding is so important. We're here having a human experience. Would you agree? Like, we got to, we got to, you know, if we want to play soccer. Oh, yeah. And play like because I think a lot of this like me for real like I went through a period of like you know I'm a I'm a big rugby boy as well growing up from uh, parents from New Zealand and you know I was yeah. like oh competitions egos sports ego I'm out of it and so I I went fully out only to realize you got to come back yeah. in and then inject your energy into that sport right yeah <laughs> do you have something similar with that bro that's Man, that's been so much my journey. It's crazy you say that. I I was playing rugby. I was 205. I was about 200 pounds. What's and kilos? Uh, 
I think that's like 96 maybe. Uh, whoa, shit. What are you now? Um, 91 kilos. 91 kilos. So you're 91. How many pounds are you now? Now? See, I I can, I just got to do the math. Yeah. The universe. Now I'm like 80. Now I'm 80 kilos. Yeah. Now I'm 80 kilos. So you were like 10 kilos bigger than what you are now. Shit, man. So yeah. yeah, continue on. And, and you're, you're seeing me at a, you're, yeah, it's all good. You're seeing me at a point where, where I'm bigger than I have been in the last five, six years. Okay. And what happened was I started playing rugby, started to get spiritual, right? Again, like I use quotations because like material spiritualism where I'm like, oh, if you're not practicing yoga, if you're not wearing these types of clothes, you're not spiritual. So I got into yoga and was like working out, pushing my body, training, all that, like out the door. I let it all, let it all go. And in the last, in the last year and a half, I've added that exact realization. I've realized that actually the more that I train my body, the more spiritual that my experience is, the more that I know all of the small muscle fibers in my body that are able to help me to lift something heavy. Or if I'm rolling and doing jujitsu with my friends and like feeling my throat getting crushed, but I know that this guy's not going to like intentionally hurt me. Like being able to meet those edges has helped me to meet my life and help me to meet those edges in my own life. And yeah, I I've, I've gone back to the gym. I haven't gone to a gym since I was like, again, 20. And like, I feel so much better. I feel so good. I balance it. I go and work out in nature. I take rings and I find logs on the beach and I'll do squats or like shoulder presses with whatever I can find around me. And I go to the gym. I do both. I go and get my barefoot workouts out in nature and go do my primal movements. And then I go to the gym and I do those same workouts and I get primal and I make noises and I, I dance and I move and I just... I'm 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 what some people would call weird because I don't I don't hold back my expression I don't hold back my creative expression so if I'm listening to headphones in the gym and I'm out a song and like I'm between sets like bumping it and like going crazy because like I just I don't I don't know why I wouldn't do that I don't know why I would not hold why would I hold myself back from experiencing this life so man that's so cool would you say that that's because you've more accepted the the parts that you've oppressed and and denied rejected you know that shadow part of you growing up and because you're just and people call you weird i think is because they really want to do that but they you know it's their own personal judgment would you say (laughs) it's like that shadow projection eh? because i did the same thing yeah i did the same thing when i would like look at people Whereas like I would look at people and project onto them what I was wanting to do. Whereas now I look at people and I'm, when I see something that I like, I use that. I receive that as a reflection. I'm like, fuck yeah, that person's doing it. They're embodying it. That's a reflection to me that I'm wanting to also do that. And that's what I'm embodying or they're giving me further inspiration to step into it more. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm celebrating and using that as inspiration for myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful yeah. brother. So uh, what, what about your friend group? How has that changed? Is that did it change as you changed? Definitely. When I was twenty, and I started changing all my food habits and stopped drinking. Like I again, I was twenty years old, 
in my second year of university and everyone around me was drinking and they're like, what, you're not going to come to parties anymore. Mm. You, you, and I was like, no, I don't like, why am I going to go to a party if everyone's fucked up and they're not connecting with each other? Like, I want to connect, like, let's hang out at my house. Like let's hang out with 10, 15, 20 of us and let's have a good time with each other rather than trying to go to a party with 150 people. And I'm like, let's let's connect like let's be human like let's let's play music let's sing let's dance let's make food together let's play board games let's just let's just be with each other it's so so, oh man it's so beautiful and a friend group has changed over time sure yeah it's that it's it's shifted a lot and lately i feel like i just i deepen in my relations that's what I feel like I'm doing now is I'm just deepening in my relations and, and also meeting other people who I'm connecting with and just absolutely loving it. So, yeah. Wow. And, and it is, it's like that. Um, it's natural. It's natural, right? Like you, your, your interests change, your environment will change naturally. And have you found any of your old friends yeah. now coming back to you and sort of like, I don't know, maybe something, some people that you haven't talked to for years, maybe from 2021, They've come back and they're sort of like interested in what you're doing. Funny enough. Yeah. There's actually, we're getting vulnerable. Okay. We'll go there. Um, I, I recently got in contact with this woman who I, who I was attracted to, who I had a crush on when we were, when I was a sophomore, all during that time when things really started to shift and change for me. And I remember one night she got drunk and she like basically passed out and she wanted me to stay with her. She was like, stay with me. Like, even though she was like, I, I, I wasn't going to do anything to her, but we just cuddled and slept together. And in the morning, her and I started to get intimate and started to get sexual. And she act like I, I prematurely ejaculated and that. And I actually reconnected to her during this COVID time. I reconnected to her like maybe a month and a half since probably my, my junior year in college, like probably a few months after that incident happened, like her and I didn't really talk. And she just reached out and was just like, wow, your journey has changed. You've like, you've deepened so much. And I'm going to reach out to her and let her know that that experience like her like she didn't do anything but me like just acknowledging like hey i i don't know if you know but like that was so impactful for me and just owning that to me. Mm. so someone who's come back in um well. yeah I, I would definitely say that i've had some college friends just be surprised and they're like wow the work that you're doing is amazing like I'm interested and I'm, I want to learn more and I want to do work with you. A friend from my freshman year in college, like he's to, he and I have totally been in contact with each other and talking a lot. So yeah, it's actually funny enough. It's definitely been happening. So yeah. the more you, when you ask that question, I'm like, wow, there's actually definitely people coming in. Yeah. It's, it's almost like you're the leader for your old, your old friends, you know, you're, you're, you're um, leading the path showing them the path yeah. and, and i mean if, if not that's totally okay too because you're doing it for your own our own benefit and your own love yeah so we've got two more yeah. questions brother yeah. what part of this conscious journey are you most grateful for that's hard <laughs> that's a hard question to narrow it down to one thing that i'm most grateful for mm-hmm. um 
I think the thing that I'm most grateful for is connection. Yeah. Because this conscious journey has helped me to create really deep friendships and bonds with the earth, with the ocean, with my fellow friends. And that, that nourishes me so much. Yeah. My, my human family, my earth elemental family, and just being able to really go deep and just celebrate life with each other is, is so juicy for me. And, and I, I think like in addition to that, like for me, having the awareness that I live in orgasmic life is really potent for me because to me, orgasm is just like just receiving that, that heightened ecstasy with the moment. And it can happen whether I eat food or drink water or feel the sun on my skin or the wind on my skin, whatever it may be, like it's an opportunity for me to drop in and to experience this life. And again, that's connection. So mm-hmm. I think that, that connection is what I love. Mm, beautiful, brother. Beautiful. And what's one tip you would give your old self who's just starting this journey? Now, knowing what you know now. What, what I would tell my young self is I would say create the structures and organization in my life to set myself up to do what I want to do and just listen to my heart and what I find in excitement and go for that all the way because I've made it this far and there's nothing to be afraid of because you're going to be supported all along the way and you will make it through it all. Mm, Beautiful, man. So how would you say if your young self goes, yeah, but how do I listen to my heart? Is it you say you follow what excites you? Yeah, listening to my heart, like listening like from that heart space, listening to what excites me from my heart space. Mm, that's beautiful, brother. Man, yeah. it's been a beautiful interview. I think there were times where it was delayed and stuff, but I just fully just lent into that and just it will be what it will be. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm grateful to connect with you, bro. I've got a, I think we've got a very similar story in the sense of, you know, our challenges and, and whatnot. And, yeah, I'm sure this won't be the last. I, I definitely, uh, I think we've got some mutual friends and I definitely think I'll be attending a Sacred Sons event at some point in my life for sure. And so I guess we'll meet at that, at that point. Let's get you out, bro. Yeah, that'd be wicked. That'd be wicked. I sent, I sent one where, of where do you live right now? Uh, I'm in uh, Changu, Bali. Okay, sweet. Right on, bro. Yeah, so I'll be, I'll be back. I think we'll be finishing up here once COVID all ends. So we'll be here for about a year all up. And then um, my partner's from Canada. So we'll go back to Vancouver and, and spend some time with her family. And, uh, bro, we're just tuning into the heart. We've got no destination. Just go with flow. We clearly know. We clearly know after 2020 that we're not in control. And so to think that we know what we're doing at the end of the year or whenever, yeah. we'll just go with the flow, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had a plan man i had a plan from 2020 i thought i thought i was gonna fucking kill 2020 and it's just here, absolutely destroyed everything i fucking knew what i was gonna do <laughs> fuck i had so many plans bro here and and that's the beauty of life is is to not let that like get in the way not let yeah. that be like oh well i'm not gonna make plans you know like I'm, I'm getting ready to go on an airplane and I'm going to go travel in, in about a week. Oh, and I'm going to travel basically, 
Um, I'm going to go first to California. I'm going to wrap up. I, I had a lease that was in San Diego. I'm going to wrap that up. I'm going to go see my brother in Portland and he and I are going to go backpacking for his birthday. Yeah. And then I'm going to fly to Miami and there's, there's this woman that I've been connecting with and we've only been talking on the phone and it's such a magical connection. And part of me is like, no, like I need to stay here on Maui. And the other part of me is like, I have no fucking clue what life ever has in store. So when I hear a message, when I hear a sign to go, I go. And I don't always know what it is entailed for me. But there's such a sweet connection there. And I don't know what, again, like we talked about, I don't know what life has in store for me or for anyone. So I'm, I'm here to meet it and embrace it to the fullest and also like utilize these opportunities as ways to give back and to connect with the permaculture community. And, and that's what I do when I travel. I go and connect the farms and and I give back. So that way I'm not just a, tr- a tourist. I'm a traveler. I, I connect with the actual land and I give back. And it's just, to me, more than ever, I've just been shown that it's, I cannot take life for granted. This life is so beautiful. And it's just nice, to live it and listen and go for it. Yeah, step in. Man, I love that, brother. Well, good luck on your on your traveling yeah, adventure, bro. And, and and again, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to share your story and your journey. And we'll stay in touch and um we'll yeah, we'll see where this where this goes, brother. Whoa man, bring love and just be. I got love in my eyes, bro. I can't see. I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be. Wokeness is taking my old self away. Yeah, I put love into me. I'm spreading that love. Yo, don't you see? Grab your cacao and drink it with me. Cause wokeness is taking my old self away. Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man. Bring love and just be Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be